Enjoying these episodes? Give us a shout out on social at Built On Air. We'd love to hear your comments and suggestions. So drop us a like and be sure to subscribe to catch new episodes when they release. It helps us keep the podcast going. Welcome to Built On Air, a podcast and video series about all things Airtable. Today, we're joined by Chris Guthrie, an e-commerce aficionado and another featured speaker from this year's inaugural Airtable Users Conference. In addition to selling his own line of products on Amazon, Chris specializes in helping other sellers maintain and grow successful Amazon private label businesses using the power of Airtable and automation. After discussing how his business began and his managed complications brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic, Chris shows us his Airtable base that helps keep his orders, shipping, and inventory data in check. With some insight into a few scripts he's written, we explore his unique approach to solving some popular Airtable sticking points from formulas to page designer. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. So I first, I guess, came into contact with you based on the Airtable Users Conference, which was put on by Chris Dancy about a month ago. Um, And you were one of the kind of section leaders, if you will, that kind of kept us all on track and, you know, pushed us along for the intermediate track level. So thank you for doing that. I want to know how you got involved into the conference. You know, I honestly don't know the exact way. I just know that I saw one of Chris's posts from somewhere. I don't know which community it was in, but he was looking for volunteers for people to either help run the conference or present at the conference. So I volunteered for either or both. And about a week later, he wrote me an email saying that he would like me to participate. Great. So, yeah, I, I've been trying to be more active in the communities just to broaden my knowledge and also just help other people out, too. So I thought it was a, a good chance for me to kind of break into it. Of course. Um, and for the people who haven't seen it, can you give a, a quick little summary of the talk that you gave? Right. So during the conference... I talked about using buttons for on-demand automations rather than waiting for something to trigger automatically, using buttons to push out a task that you want to get done and not have to wait for, say, Zapier to pick up the change to run the automation or not have to wait for some other different things. So I showed two different ways of doing that. I showed how to send a webhook out to Integromat using a button so that you can initiate whatever's in that Integromat scenario. And then I also showed how to use a button to send a very simple simple email, a form email based on data that's inside of your base. And that button just runs a very simple formula that replaces some text and brings in some fields and then uses what's called the mail to syntax, which is pretty limited. That's why I said it's a very, has to be a very simple email in the, in that you can't do attachments. You can't really do a lot of email for formatting or anything like that, but for sending off like quick reminders to clients or, you know, like sending off um, a request for different tasks to your different team members, just clicking a button and having that done instead of typing the email every single time I thought was very helpful. And I I've been using it a lot. 
Of course it's helpful. Um, it's one of the key things that people want to do once they have collected a bunch of contact information data. They want to be able to contact those contacts. And your talk was um, incredibly helpful for the people who would like to do that using Airtable and a little bit of automation work. And we'll put the link to your talk in the description of this video. But cool. you're no stranger to Airtable, obviously. Um, how did you kind of come across it and how has it made its way into your everyday or professional life? So years ago, I started a small mastermind group with a couple other e-commerce sellers that live in the Los Angeles area. And we were meeting and one day we brought our laptops to lunch and we were showing each other some stuff and someone showed me this spreadsheet, but, but it looked very different. I was like, wait, this isn't Google Sheets. This isn't Excel. What are you doing here? And even that one that he showed me was very, very basic. I mean, not a lot going on there, but I just, I loved how the interface looked. And then I started looking through the field types and I was like, wait, this is really cool. So at first in my business, I didn't use it for much more than an alternative to Google Sheets. And I didn't really wrap my brain around like the, the how powerful it can be. And I do have some programming database background, but not a lot. So I wasn't even thinking of relational databases or anything like that. But eventually over time, I was looking for solutions in my own e-commerce business to track inventory, to you know um, create different orders, to track all of the different aspects of my products. And just slowly over time, I kept coming back to Airtable, kept coming back to Airtable. And I um, was using some automations with Zapier, you know, over time, but even since the, the implementation of automations inside of Airtable, I've kind of drawn, I've backed away from those. And I've even switched as much as I, as much as I can directly into Airtable so that I'm not using as much outside software. So yeah, just over time, you know, just slowly kind of just building and building and building as I needed different aspects of my business and just, just kind of evolve from there. So we're going to see a little bit more about um, the way you kind of handle your business using Airtable a little bit later, but let's talk a little bit about the business itself. So it's an e-commerce business, and I believe that you sell products on Amazon and help others sell their products as well. Can you kind of give us a little bit of background on that and how you kind of got started? What kind of products do you sell, et cetera? Yeah, definitely. So I sell physical products. You know, uh, sometimes I, I kind of I kind of forget that there are other types of products out there. So I don't I sh I forget to not automatically assume people know I'm talking about physical products because there are digital products and services and whatnot. So I sell physical products on Amazon. I started doing that back in 2014. I was still working a full time day job at the time and. Until that point, I was kind of a, I was not kind of, I was a ser serial entrepreneur. I had started different things that had failed and failure had definitely helped me up to that point because I figured out things I didn't want to do and things that didn't work well for me. And then finally, I was listening to a podcast from Pat Flynn. He has a podcast called Smart Passive Income. And he interviewed a woman named Jessica LaRue and she was talking about how she went to grocery stores and big lots and Kmart and was buying stuff from clearance shelves and selling it on Amazon. 
in making money. I was like, wait, that sounds just too simple. And so I found an app on my phone where you can go and you can scan a barcode on a product. And if it's selling for a dollar here, cause it's on the clearance shelf and it's selling for $15 on Amazon, there's gotta be money there. So I started doing, and we've dubbed that in the, in the Amazon world that's dubbed retail arbitrage. So I'm taking a product from one market, market selling it in another market. And I did that for years and I really scaled that up. Actually, I had a team of shoppers that were going out to retail stores, working with managers, working out deals to like liquidate different products from different shelves. And I had a little warehouse and some guys there that were packing and shipping orders. And we had really scaled that up, but it was really, really labor intensive still on, on my part. I was doing, I, would, I had to physically be there a lot. And then some things changed in my family life where I needed to be at home more. So then I started to concentrate my efforts on selling wholesale, which buying from a manufacturer or distributor, selling on Amazon, but the margins were really, really thin. You had to have a lot of capital to get into that game. And there was a lot, a lot of competition on Amazon. So I then, I did that for a while. And then I slowly moved into what I'm doing now. And that's called private label where I have my own brand. I partner with manufacturers in China, India, in the United States, and they help me produce my products and they're using their machinery, their factories, but we're putting my brand name on it. And we sell it out on Amazon and on Amazon. I have, I'm in a few different niches and uh, one's kind of like a party supply niche. Another one's like some kitchen accessories and another one's like some sports accessories. So, you know, all the way up to now, it's been over six years, been doing this full time for five and a half years now. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's been working out well. Well, congratulations on your success. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So you mentioned that um, you started to transition to work more from home quite some time ago. And Mm. unfortunately, this is being recorded in 2020, the year (laughs) that everyone got stuck at home. Um, Do you feel that you are a little bit more prepared to just kind of, I have a home office, I'm going to you know, conduct my business from home and I'm not going to be as thrown through a loop as some others. Definitely. In in some aspects for sure. But there are the other aspects in that I have a wife and two children that are at home with me now also. And before I used to have a lot of time to work on my own things without disruption. And it's been different, but now we're finally in a flow, especially with this new school year. And I'm recording in the office that we built last year, but unfortunately my wife is a school teacher and she needs it most of the day. So now I'm kind of working from the living room, (laughs) but uh, you know, yeah, I was definitely uh, probably more prepared than most, but there was definitely some aspects that were still took a lot of getting used to. Of course. Um, So from a, from a business standpoint, selling products, I know that there was, um, a lot of concerns about logistics support and getting items shipped to people for various different types of businesses. Do you feel that you were affected a little bit by that as well? For sure. I, I had a lot of, well, pretty much all my projections and my plans for the year were completely dismantled, you know, whenever the shutdown happened. And I was on the on track to be like really, really cash flow positive for the year. And because of the virus, I, you know, some plans had to change, some orders had to change. And unfortunately, you know, I am playing a little bit of catch up, 
sales really, really recovered in the summer. And then they're so, so right now, at least for my, my niches and, but Christmas will totally make up for everything. So I'm not too, I'm not worried about it, but for sure, like whenever that first happened, we rely, well, so we sell on Amazon, but we also use Amazon service. That's called FBA fulfilled by Amazon. So we don't, I don't even have my own warehouse. I, I, I just have my home office. I use either third party logistic warehouses to store my inventory. So I purchase it in bulk. It goes to a 3PL, a third-party logistics warehouse, and then it'll sit there. But then I still send inventory from there to Amazon's warehouses so that we get the prime badge on, on Amazon listing so that people can get our stuff in two days. Well, whenever coronavirus happened, Amazon created two categories, essential goods and non-essential goods. And all my products were categorized as non-essential goods. So on some of my product pages, whenever you would go to it to purchase it. It would say, you can purchase now, but you will not receive it for six weeks or five weeks or seven weeks. So my conversions on my products went down, went in the toilet. I went from, you know, I, during middle of March to middle of April, sales, sales were down 95%. Wow. Yeah. So definitely, you know, it, it helped that I had a rainy day fund there. I had to tap into it, but you know, that's why that's why I had it. So, you know, I'm very grateful for that. So when you sell on Amazon, as opposed to having your own e-commerce site, how do you handle things like marketing the products that you sell? Well, Amazon itself is, has done a ton of the marketing already for us. I mean, just the fact that it's Amazon itself, people go there. It's the second most used search engine in the world. So that's the way I tend to think of it, especially being a private label seller. I'm always thinking of how keywords work. So we're, we rely heavily on organic search, search engine optimization, specifically the Amazon search engine. So we, we make sure that our titles, our listing bullet points, our descriptions, our back end search terms are very optimized towards the products that we're selling so that we can gain better organic search ranking, but then we also rely pretty heavily on Amazon's internal pay-per-click advertising platform, which in the last year has actually evolved a lot. They're adding a lot of new services and a lot of new features that is actually kind of hard to keep up with. But those are my two main things. You know, first is organic search. We can use PPC to kind of also drive some organic ranking so that we can once we get a product going, we can kind of back off on advertising and save some of that advertising dollar. And then there's a little bit, I, I don't do a ton. I need to get more into it, but a, uh, there's just a million different ways, but I've done a little bit of influencer marketing. So I reach out to different influencers in the spaces that I'm in and offer them, you know, different things. You know, sometimes all they want is a free product. Sometimes they want a free product and like a hundred bucks or something like that, but they'll review it on their YouTube channel or, or their Instagram account and do an unboxing or something like that. And then they, you know, post a link to their audience and, you know, we get a boost from that also. Interesting. Okay. Um, well, now that we have a kind of nice foundational understanding of what you're doing and um, the types of products that you sell and the fact that it's, basically all kind of pushed through to Amazon. Why don't we take a look at the base that helps you get your products, you know, from just data points into something that people can actually purchase? Yeah, definitely. 
So this is a scrubbed version of the base that we use. And it actually, at, at first I thought, oh, that'll be easy. But the more I dug into it, I really had to <laughs> manipulate the data and remove a lot of sensitive information. So there are gonna be some fields that are not gonna be occupied, unfortunately, but most of those are just um, attachment fields with some you know, different sensitive, sensitive information in them. So with the advent of, I'll start here with the advent of buttons, I created what I call, what we call the dashboard. So me and my team, we can come in here and, the, and this dashboard is broken down into different categories where we can easily click to take us to different views within the base to perform different tasks. Because we do have a lot of tables in, in here and some team members can get a little bit lost, but they can, but they always know they can come out here, search for a topic and be able to go directly to the view that they can use to either enter the new data or edit the existing data. And whenever I started to design the base years ago, I, at first I, at first I was using like different automations and I couldn't really wrap my brain around how to track inventory. So I was like moving inventory from different stages from a tape, one table to another, but I didn't like how that worked because I was relying on outside services like Zapier to do that. But I wanted to move everything inside of Airtable. So eventually I'll get to that in here in a sec, but how I have a, a way to track every single inventory event. So again, we, we start here with the dashboard and if there's different pieces of information that a team member needs to go to, they can click on a link. And then our base, it, it, it serves kind of two to three purposes. It tracks all of our details of all of our products. It tracks inventory. It tracks our buy cost for each, all the way down to the individual piece, how much, how much each individual unit cost us. And it, allows us to create work orders, purchase orders, and track shipments and inspections for new product orders from our vendors, You know whether that's a brand new product we're launching or if we are reordering a new product. I think what I'll show you first is just a quick way that finally I've gotten the base to a point where I can create a new order with a vendor and only have to fill out two tables uh, if, fill out information in two different tables. So the way I've organized it is that I create a table called order group summary. And in this view here, I only have one, two, three, four, five fields I have to fill in in order to create the order. And the order itself can contain any number of items from our database. So all I would do is I would create a new row here, give the order a new name, and I usually just go with a sequential order number and just give it a quick description. So I may be ordering sports hats. I'm gonna put who the buyer is. In most cases, it's my company, but we do, we do work with other clients and sometimes they'll be the, the buyer. At this point, I'm gonna put in my PO costs. So I've already, if I have a product that I order over and over from a, from a manufacturer and the price never changes, I can enter the cost right here, right now. Otherwise I'm gonna leave it blank because I'm gonna create an RFQ inside of Airtable so that I can send that RFQ off to the supplier to ask them, hey, how much is the, are these units gonna cost if I purchase this many units? 
I'm going to put the terms of purchase, which with most suppliers is going to be a 30% deposit with a 70% of remaining balance once the manufacturing is finished. And then do I have any specific notes to this order? And most of the time, you know, a lot of these fields are blank, but if I have something special that needs to go on specific to this order, not, not specific to the product, but specific to the order, I'm going to enter it here. And then I'm going to choose what's the identifier on side on our items. And the only reason I have this field is because we're actually in a transition period where we used to use barcodes that Amazon issues to us, but we've moved to the universal UPCs, UPC codes you see in any grocery store. Then I come over to my inventory and order events. And this is where I'm going to assign individual line items to this order. And I need to create a new group. So, you know, this is a little tricky actually with Airtable that I wish there was like a, a add new button instead of having to enter it into a group if you have a view that's that's using the group to buy feature. I would agree. But um, yeah. right now it'll let you do that. If the groups are based on a calculated field and you can't, right. it will have the button. But if you're going to view like you're the one that we're seeing now, um, where you can add things, it, the yeah. add button, like the universal add button isn't there. And I, I know I, I wish, wish they, it was. Would, they, they give you both like all the time. Yeah. It would be <laughs> awesome. Yes. I totally <laughs> agree with you there. <laughs> So I, I create a new row, I switched it to that order group. So this is this first field is a linked field that linked back to that new order group that we just created. And now I'm just going to enter today's date, just to keep things just to keep track of stuff like that. Now this is the linked field where I'm going to add the individual item itself to this to this line item. Now we said we we're going to order sports hats. And, and then here, I have a sport hat red and a sports hats black. Now I would need to choose, I would need to create a new row for every different variation. So I'm gonna order sports hat red that I'm going to enter say a thousand units. I'm gonna choose the company that I'm ordering from. Now let's say it's, I don't know, it doesn't really matter for these purposes. Now, here I'm going to enter any type of shipping cost that the, my supplier would charge me to get their items from their factory to the port so that it can so that my items can get on a boat and sail across the seas over to America. If I don't know that, I leave it blank for now. And do I have any notes specific to this line item? I would enter them here. And do I know? And then what do I want my purchase terms to be? Like this gets into a little bit, you know, this is very technical jargon here, but I'm going to use FOBC meaning these items are gonna go on a boat versus being on an airplane. Where am I gonna ship them to? So I choose which of my third-party logistics warehouses I want them to go to. Now, which marketplace? Cause I do sell in Europe and I sell in America. I'm gonna choose United States. And then here, do I know my package info for my products or do I know my carton info? If I do, I'm gonna connect them into these rows here. Sports hat and then sports hat. Now, let's also say that I want to order a thousand units, but I I think that man, I'm going to order a total of a thousand, but I'm going to ship 800 by sea and 200 by air because I'm going to run out of stock soon. But I and I don't want to run out of stock on Amazon, so I'll pay a little bit more to have these extra 200 units shipped by air. What I would actually do is I would duplicate this row 
change the first row to 800 units, change the second row to 200 units to total the initial thousand and say that this second row is gonna go by air. At this point, I have all of the individual line items for the purchase order. I'm gonna go back over to my order group summary table and I've created a script. And this was one of my huge pain points still is with Airtable is that page designer is cool, but it's not robust enough. And I, I, I know that you're working on a solution that probably helps with all this also. But one thing that I do not like about page designer is that it, the boxes are a finite size. And if any text flows out of a text box, it's just gonna get cut off. And just, I, tr I went through many rounds of designing different forms in, 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 in page designer, but it just none of them really worked. So what I've ended up with is ever since they've allowed for formatting and long text fields, and also for that formatting to come through into page designer, I'm actually entering all the information I need for a purchase order into one field that's a long text rich format field, and then displaying that inside a page designer. So I'll show you that here. So I'm going to generate a summary, it's going to run a script. As we all know, sometimes this takes a little bit. Do you happen to know, I've been thinking about doing this, breaking all my scripts into different dashboards so that not all the scripts have to load at the same time? I do that. Um, I, well, when you run a script as opposed to an automation script action, it will open up your apps panel. And so mm -hmm. that's why we were seeing not just the one that's supposed to run, but the, you know, there's one above and one below it. So a lot of times if I have a base that needs more than one script, I'll just kind of name the dashboard, the purpose of that script, and then just place each one of them in their own dashboard or I'll group similar ones together. Um, and that way less is being loaded at the same yeah. time. Yeah, I've been thinking about doing that because here I was thinking about even grouping them like you're talking about. So this, I have a script running with this button called generate summary, but then I also have a page designer that gets brought up with this other button here called view RFQ, thinking about putting those two in the same dashboard versus having a scripts dashboard and like a reports dashboard. Anyways, uh, I think that I'm not exactly sure. I think it has to do with my, with my base being scrubbed, but let me just use this, this row here that I know works. Oh, and I clicked the wrong button, I apologize. So generate summary on the row that I know that works. It fills in this field here called summary. <laughs> what do you know? It's not working here, but the it field was already filled in time. yesterday. <laughs> yeah, you know how it goes. Yeah. Uh, so luckily I'd already ran this script. So the script runs and then it doesn't look great here in this little tiny window here, but what it's gonna look a lot better whenever I click view RFQ and it's gonna bring up the page designer that has that field that's being populated. I've also noticed that whenever you're doing stuff like screen sharing, that things seem to run a little bit slower. So yeah, so with the script, I'm building a simple table uh, just because, again, I, I was so frustrated with the limitations. Yeah, you could bring in a, a table based on base information directly into page designer, but if you had other boxes below that table and that table happened to be too long, then the table's going to get cut off and the RFQ is just not going to look right. So we have 
who's the supplier we're requesting this from, what are our purchase terms, this is our company information, payment terms, here are the individual items we're ordering, so 500 or 1,000 units of this item, 500 units of this item, this top row, 1,000 units are going to the United States, 500 are going to the United Kingdom, this is the price that our supplier has given us per unit. And then here's our terms for shipping. We have all of our components that go into the product. We have a link that takes us to another part of Airtable, which actually I, I think this is pretty cool. This is another feature I'm utilizing from Airtable is the public, like the shared view filtering. So my supplier can click on this link and it takes them to this part of the base, but this is the shared view and I'm using the filtering in the URL to show them all the components related to this order. That's very nice. Yeah, so they can download them. We have a preview image field and then also a print file field. So like the print file is intended for like the actual like Adobe Illustrator files or whatever else they're gonna put in their large bulk printers to print the packaging or the paper inserts or the other pieces of the product. I'm doing the same thing with a style sheet. So these aren't real. Normally this would be a picture of an item that, or it would have each individual little component inside of this picture. So it would show like, this is the packaging, here are the dimensions, here's the, here's the product insert, here's the product itself, and then here's the accessory that goes in the box or something like that. So the supplier has one, one file or one view of what everything needs to be that, that goes into this product. And then it just keeps going down. And the one thing I'm utilizing inside of the script is using a lot of markdown. And I, and to make this part stand out, I I'm using just the code block mm -hmm. so that it has that gray outline and has a uniform text. Product notes, general notes, my terms for purchasing. Do we have any complaints from previous orders for things that need to be fixed for this new order? Like, you know, say the buckle breaks on this one product. So I'm going to tell, I'm also going to have a conversation with my supplier on the side over here, say, Hey, let's fix this buckle, but at least I'm putting it on paper here. Let's, let's fix this part of this product here. And then we have a special checklist because every one of our, every one of our orders, we do have an inspection done before it ships out of China. We have a third-party team that goes out and uh, does their does due diligence for us and sends us a very, very detailed report so that we can hopefully catch any imperfections in the order before it gets on the boat. So all of this data is all being pulled in from one single rich text field. That's impressive. And I don't think I've ever seen... Um, someone building their own table with Markdown for the purposes of getting it in, into Page Designer. Yeah, I, it was just the best way I could think of it without without going to an outside tool like Formstack, which don't get me wrong, works really great, but for my purposes, it's just too expensive. Yeah, you only get like a hundred forms a month or something like that for like two hundred bucks. I was like, no, I could do something better <laughs> or something maybe not better, but uh, you know, something that will work for my purposes. Right. So we have RFQs that are generated inside of inside of Airtable. Same with the purchase order. It's basically the exact same table of data, just the format, like the color and the title of the report is a little bit different. So we send that off to a supplier. Then the next thing we need to do is pay them. So we're going to track our transactions inside of Airtable, tie them to the original order so that we can keep tabs on how much 
the individual units for this order cost, you know, for now and for tax purposes down the line. So then we have a table way over here called transactions. We would record every piece that's going to go into what's called cost of goods sold. So let me go down here on this last order. We have the cost of our inspection. We had our product deposit for 500 bucks. Transaction fees, I'm tracking it when we use credit cards versus bank transfers. Our product balance, the um, another product or our transaction fee. And then because this order went so I've organized my Airtable also so that later down the line, I could have multiple orders with one supplier, but instead of shipping all those orders individually, I wanna ship them all at the same time so that they can ride together and I can save on shipping. So on this one, the shipping looks really low because this order was riding with six other orders and we broke the shipping cost out amongst all those different orders. Got it. So then at this point, we have the total sum of the order and then it's just a simple division divided by how many units and then we have the individual unit cost uh let's see what else was i going to show you now the one table that we looked at earlier called inventory and order events it also is going to help us track all of our inventory down the line so I've created this, I've worked out this system because it's actually very similar to the way Amazon presents data to us with units that they receive versus units in, units out. So we have the initial order with our supplier and that is this section here. We ordered 1400 units. Once they're done in production, they're going to be subtracted from that supplier. Then those 1400 units, you notice the date here is 928. Then they're going to be transferred to our shipping partner, Pacific Sun Freight Forwarding, on the same day, a positive 1,400 units. Then a month later, whenever they arrive in the United States, we negative those back out from that supplier. And then we transfer them on the same day from that freight forwarder to our third-party logistics warehouse where they're going to sit until we sell them. Okay. And then even from here, whenever we deduct units from this warehouse, we're going to add them as more individual line items saying, hey, we sent these units from this third-party logistics warehouse over to the Amazon warehouses so that Amazon can fill them, fulfill the final, final item sale to the customer. And this was my solution versus moving data from table to table to table. It just felt like a, a, a more... Uh, more easily tracked in a, in a historical view of every single order that we have. Yeah. looks like a, like a regular log. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And one other thing I'd like to show you is when I alluded to it a minute ago, so that we can, we create a shipment, but multiple orders can ride inside of that shipment. So then I have a shipments table and we would create a new shipment. I just have a formula field that just automatically creates the name of the shipment. And in here, in this linked field called inventory events, we link the individual line items from the purchase order, from, from any actually any purchase order. So in this case, I probably should have actually created a diagram for this, but you know, in an order from a supplier, I could have a thousand units going to the United States, a thousand units going to the United Kingdom, but those units are not going to ship together because they're going to ultimately different places. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm create I'm connecting the the individual line items to the shipment versus the order the entire order to the shipment so that I can break those out into different shipments. Yeah. So I cre- I have a, another quick page designer that creates a quote sheet I can send to the freight forwarder so they can give me some pricing. We have a status column, but then if I have say six different orders and each order has five or six variations in them. And, and I'm at the point where I'm transferring units from the supplier to the freight forwarder or from freight forwarder to the third-party warehouse. That's a lot of different manual ent- manual entries into that table. It could be, you know, up to, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 entries per different shipment. So I created a, another script and I just actually got finished with this uh, a week or so ago. And I thought I added a button, but I'm not finding it for some reason. Well, I just created a script that automatically goes out, asks me some questions similar to a form and transfer the, transfers the units as I need them and cross my fingers that it works once I find it here. This script, I need to make a little more efficient. I need to lessen the amount, the amount of data that's getting loaded in up front. Mm-hmm. That's something I'm trying to get better at as well. Yeah, definitely paring down the fields to only the ones that are necessary or even loading different views. So I pick a diff- I pick a shipment record and then it's going to show me a table of information. So this individual shipment only has line items that are still in the vendor status. So these units are still at the vendor. They have not been transferred to a freight forwarder and definitely have not been transferred to a 3PL. Then I'm asked what type of transfer would you like to initiate right now? So I'm going to pick supplier to freight forwarder. I choose the freight forwarder I'm going to be using. And then it just, it's creating all the records I need it to. So then here in a second, I'll show you, we're going to go to order 0035 UK. And it'll, and I'll show you that it created all those individual rows of data. So originally here, all we had were this was this row for this variation. Mm-hmm. It deducted it from the supplier and then transferred it to the freight forwarder. Yep. And I see it, it filled in today's date as well. Yes, it did. Super and it cool. did it for all three variations. Well, that's efficient. Yeah. <laughs> that one was a kind of, I always dreaded going in and entering all the data or me or my assistant did for sure. This is very impressive and I'm taking it all in. I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I have a little side project that is vaguely tangential and it's kind of giving me ideas into the kinds of things someone in the real world would have to deal with and the processes that they might want to automate. And um, how many different scripts are in this base? Not actually too many. I think four okay. or five. Uh, yeah, all right. Wrong. Yeah, it's not it's not a lot. Uh, I have that one here. I forgot to rename for this demo base, but one, two, three, four. Okay. This is another cool one that I think you would like replenish inventory, but I'll show it to you another time. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I aside from my invoicing thing, the first idea I had of this in this similar realm was something that dealt with inventory management. And um I want I want to make a process that's super, super simple 
but you've already basically done it with your scripts and moving things from point A to point B and filling in the date and all the linked fields and getting you the information of where something currently is once you, you know, pick it from the um, selection box. So congratulations. Um, I'm sure this has made your process a lot smoother. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. And and it's not just that, but it's also helped us be less prone to human error. Right. But I have a lot of, a lot of checks in the scripts to make sure that, you know, things aren't being double transferred or, you know, if it says that it needs to transfer, if I initially put in the order that this unit's going to the United Kingdom, but I choose a final destination warehouse that's not in the United Kingdom, it's going to throw an error, you know, different things like that, where we would have problems before and you'd have to go dig through the, the history and say, okay, what's going on here? Where did this record go? Or why is it here? So I definitely this has helped lower the amount of human error. Uh, yeah, I think that's part of the the reason a lot of us, you know, move toward adding a few scripts um, or a few apps to our bases just to make sure that, you know, we can be less hands-on, um, filling in absolutely every single field, especially if you're working with an order that has, you know, more than two line items, that's going to get uh, more than two line items means much more than to other places that you have to fill in that data yeah. like that right. might be shipping to different countries. That was really nice. Like I said before, we're going to put your um, link to your talk that you had at the Airtable user conference. Is there anything else that you would like to plug? No, nothing other than I am starting to work with a few clients on helping them with their Airtable bases. So right now, you know, if anybody would like to reach out to me, especially if you're in the e-commerce world and you'd like to get your brain around tracking inventory or, you know, ordering processes or even just some sort of task management related to e-commerce, you know, feel free to reach out to me. I, I'm working with people right now pro bono just to kind of get my name out there uh, and just to, you know, kind of break into the Airtable world more. Great. Um so we'll put that there as well. Thank you so much for showing us um, your base and walking us through it and kind of giving us uh, a more concrete picture of what it takes to be a successful seller um, on Amazon and then a successful user of Airtable itself. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to give it a like or hit us up on social at Built on Air. We always love to hear your comments and suggestions. And don't forget to subscribe to catch new episodes when they release. It helps us keep the podcast going.